Holy Spirit. And Father, we need your help today to understand your purposes and what you want to accomplish in this message, Lord God. And so, Father, speak to us and give me the strength and the ability to deliver it properly unto your glory that we may use it to instruct others. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm beginning a series this morning on answering atheists. This is our first part. This may seem more like a teaching than a sermon, and that's all right because how many of you know we need instruction? And so if you will walk with me through this and take your notes, it's important for you to understand that there is a very powerful force in the earth uh, called atheism, which is a non-belief in God. Atheists have their own logos, and atheism is on the increase. People are proud to be atheists, excited to be atheists, and want to make sure they share their atheistic tenets with the rest of the world. Christianity is the largest faith on the planet with 2.2 billion people. 31.5% of the globe is Christian. That includes all Christian denominations. But what's happening in the southern hemisphere is Christianity is literally on fire. Africa, Asia, South America is just igniting with people coming to the Lord Jesus day after day. But in the West, Christianity is failing and is being removed out of the culture. Muslims are the second largest group of believers, 1.6 billion. That's 23% on the planet. And where Christianity has uh, waned and been eliminated, wherever a vacuum is, Islam comes in. And we see that in Europe, and we see it happening across the globe. But there's a large number of percentage believing people who are called the nuns, N-O-N-E-S. They're non-religious, uh, denominationally based people. The nuns are happening more than ever in Christianity, people who are not affiliating with a church. So nuns are people who don't affiliate with organized religion. They still may have a belief in God. And in that grouping of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, it could be Christian, it could be Buddhist, it could be Muslim, it could be Hindu, it could be New Age, it could be all sorts of belief systems. And that third largest group would also entail belief systems of atheists. Atheists would say we don't have a belief system. But of course they do. Everybody has a belief system. Not believing in God, but believing in something else is a belief system. And so they believe in the tenets of atheism that there is no God based on scientific discovery as they understand it. What I'm talking to you about in this month are what's called the new atheists or neo-atheism. The new atheists have some pretty popular people, best-selling authors on the New York Times bestseller list. And uh, the four horsemen of this new atheist group is Richard Dawkins, who wrote The God Delusion, Sam Harris, who wrote The End of Faith and a number of other books, uh, very popular on YouTube. Daniel Dennett wrote Breaking the Spell. And Christopher Hitchens wrote God is Not Great, How Religion Poisons Everything. And so what is the difference between this new atheism 
and old atheism. How many of you remember Madeline Maria O'Hare? She's that old kind of uh, atheist, that good old atheism, where basically what atheism wanted and uh, espoused was that keep your religion out of the government and the social places. You can have your churches and do your thing, just keep it to yourselves. New atheism says we want to abolish religion completely. They are out to eliminate religion completely. And they lump all religion together, Muslims, Buddhists, Christians. Religion, as they say, is evil. Gary Wolf writes this, that the new atheists not only condemn belief in God, but they condemn respect for those who believe in God. Religion is not wrong, it's evil. Evil. So this is what new atheism propagates. It's extremely demonstrative and forceful and is growing by leaps and bounds. Why have they come to this conclusion? Well, talking uh, and hearing Sam Harris, his point came at 9-11. When he saw a belief in God would cause someone to destroy so many lives. And he began to reevaluate religion in world history and came to the conclusion, conclusion that religion is evil. People who believe in a God, Zeus, uh, Yahweh, Jesus, Krishna, whatever the form, the blue spaghetti monster, whatever your religious faith does, it causes you to do irrational things and it hurts mankind and plagues this planet. And so the new atheists are on a, uh, a journey to eliminate religion completely. If you've not experienced this, I want to let you know your children have. If you've been on YouTube at all, if you do any studies on the internet, you're going to see this espoused. And if any of your kids are going to college, you can be sure that they are being fully indoctrinated in new atheism. Even Christian schools, you need to understand how forceful this is and how it's even penetrating churches and the ideology of many Christians. And may I say this, that Western Christianity is theologically weak. Most Christians cannot defend what they believe in or even why they believe it. And when you come up against the force of new atheism, which will ridicule you, which will argue you down, and spitefully and uh, with contempt condemn you for your beliefs, most Christians sheepishly back down, walk away, and they have a crisis of faith. So what I want to do responsibly as a pastor is educate you and help you understand how the new atheists argue against Christianity. I'm not going to go into a discussion on the difference between atheism and Christianity. I'm going to go into a discussion on how to dismantle new atheist arguments. All right? So basically, how they argue, you'll find these four tactics in new atheism. They are science is supreme, second, ridicule and mock believers, Thirdly, 
they alone stand on neutral ground. And fourthly, they will give you a straw man argument. We're going to go over each one of these quickly and help you digest this. Number one, science is supreme. Now, what is science? And many will let you know that science and religion don't meet. And that's not true at all. Most of the greatest scientists throughout the ages were believing people, theists, and Christians. But basically, the definition of science is knowledge about or study of the natural world based on facts learned through experiments and observation. So knowledge covering general truths of the operation of general laws in nature as obtained and tested through scientific method concerning the physical world. Reliable, predictive rules through controlled experimentation. It needs to be observed and repeated and seen. That is the standard classic definition of science. And so science has uh, observed nature and has gone deep through microscopes and telescopes uh, to examine how things were made and date how old things are and postulate ideas based on what they've experimented with. But as an interesting fact, no one can go back to see how things began. And science can never answer why things begin. And when in science you postulate an idea that's fully acceptable to scientists, they don't consider that faith, they consider that a reasonable postulation until better information comes to change that postulation or confirm it. We see it as a faith leap. Before, scientists used to believe that the universe was eternal. Now, through observation, they have come to the idea that the universe had a beginning. We would agree with that. They wouldn't agree as to why it started or how. They can't even figure out how it started. But they will then invent new postulations that, well, there may be multiple universes and there may have been some dramatic action that caused everything to begin. But it doesn't tell you why, and it certainly doesn't tell you how, though they're going to put another postulation as to how, and they're satisfied with that. But they say, you people of religion, you don't understand anything by fact. It's all by blind faith. Listen to the way atheists talk about science. If you'll listen to debates, if you'll listen to the lectures, listen to their quotes, they elevate science as if it is sacred. This is Stephen Hawking. Before we understood science, it was natural to believe that God created the universe. But now science offers a more convincing explanation. He uses the word science as if it is a singular entity. I mean, do you know how many sciences there are in biology and chemistry and physics in nature? Theology is a science. And so to say science tells us, so you, you have to understand when they use the word science, it is the word for their God, for their belief system. And so the word science trumps the word religion. Their definition of religion isn't based on evidence. They don't think you have any evidence for God. It isn't based on anything else. But what's interesting in their discussions and their refutations refuting Christianity or religion, none of their arguments are based on science, 
most of them are based on the morality of God. Their arguments are, if God's so loving, why is there so much evil? If God is good, why is this happening? And what's interesting in most of the atheists refuting religion, theism, and specifically Christianity, they go to a moral argument instead of a scientific one. When we can, through scientific means and data and information, show that there is intelligent design and that there is order and system in this universe so intricate that it cannot happen through random mutation or chance. But they reject that. Listen to what Neil deGrasse Tyson says. The good thing about science is that it's true whether or not you believe in it. So the use of the word science is equal to what? Truth. Truth. So science is true. What aspect of science? All science is true. Well, all truth, we understand, is God's truth. And what he's saying is even though we haven't discovered it yet, it is there and it's true. But that has not answered the question whether God put it there or not. Yes, science is true if it reveals what is true in nature. That's what's true. Does that make sense to you? What is found to be true in nature that we can see and is repeatable, we understand to be true. We would agree with that. But science is not true when it steps into speculation. Science is truth. So they use the word to trump the word religion or faith or belief. So they've replaced God with science. Science explains man's reason for living and being and so forth. And when you eliminate God, you eliminate and replace Him with science. Now, this is what Christopher Hitchens says, and and I find it interesting. Because reason, logic, truth is science. He says what can be asserted without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. So if you Christians submit something and you have no evidence for the proof of God, no evidence for the existence of God, we can dismiss it without any evidence either. I'd like for science to hold to that same concept when considering human evolution. This illustration was put in textbooks in 1965 illustrating the evolution of man. There is absolutely not one shred of evidence that you can find in the earth, in bones, in archaeology that shows this concept that man evolved from an ape to a human being. So in the words of Christopher Hitchens, what can be asserted without evidence can also be dismissed without evidence. They have no evidence. This should be dismissed. But you cannot dismiss it out of schools. You cannot dismiss it out of textbooks. You cannot dismiss it out of museums. But that is what is known as science. To them, that's truth without any evidence for it to be true but science says it is so don't fall for the almighty word science science doesn't defeat anything in scripture or the bible science backs up scripture and backs up the bible and there is a great deal of science in the bible in other words 
visible evidential fact found in nature that backs up the Bible. Let's go on to the second tactic they use, ridicule and mockery. Because science is supreme and you don't follow it, you are ignorant and stupid people. In fact, let me play something for you and listen closely at a rally in Washington, D.C., So that's, that's a rally in Washington, D.C., Richard Dawkins, and what he says is religion needs to be ridiculed with contempt. Now, we just took communion. We do not believe, as Roman Catholicism does, in transubstantiation. We don't believe that this bread takes on the very molecules of Jesus' body or that this wine takes on and becomes the literal blood of Jesus. But despite that though Roman Catholicism does, he says, mock them, mock them, openly ridicule them, don't let them get away with it, and with contempt, bash Christians and their faith. Now, that's an interesting thing. How does that play out with other people groups? How many of you could mock publicly and begin to ridicule um, different ethnic groups. How many of you could mock and ridicule homosexuality and get away with it? How many of you could mock and ridicule Islam and get away with it? No way. What would that be called today? Hate speech. But yet it's open season on Christianity and it's encouraged to mock with contempt your beliefs. So when you get into a discussion with atheists, they're not going to give you any sense that your belief system should have some level of dignity. It is stupidity, and they will point that out to you. Christopher Hitchens says, I think religion should be treated treated with ridicule, hatred, and contempt. And I claim that right. Again, it's in your face, it's bold, it's brash, And it is angry towards you. Sam Harris says this, If I could wave a magic wand and get rid of either rape or religion, I would not hesitate to get rid of religion. 
Religion, he feels, is more disgusting than rape because according to Sam Harris, it has raped the dignity of man, the mind of man, and the intellect of man. It does more damage and more evil than anything else. You've got to understand where this is coming from, folks. You've got to understand that the new atheism is not polite, nor is it nice. And it wants to destroy Christianity. Bertrand Russell, one of the early godfathers of atheism, said this, religion is something left over from the infancy of our intelligence. It will fade away as we adopt reason and science as our guidelines. Again, most of you people are feeble-minded, weak, you need a faith, you haven't understood science. If you have the intelligence to know science, science will set you free. What does that mean? Science. Science. When it all comes down to what science is, science is human observation of nature and human interpretation of those observations. And so science is humanism with man at the center. Let's go on. How do we deal with folks who deal with us with such contempt, such anger? If they're mean towards you, Christians should be mean back. If they yell at us, yell back. If they are strong at us, be strong back. Absolutely not. If you do, you enter into the arena that the devil has caused you and tempted you to enter into. Peter puts it this way, Do not repay evil with evil, or insult with insult. Do not repay insult with insult. What part of your nature normally returns insult for insult? The flesh. The enemy wants to rouse your flesh, and so they want to do that. Atheists want to condemn you, they want to ridicule you, they want to mock you, and so that you will come back and not display Jesus Christ. Peter says, do not repay evil or insult with insult, but with what? Blessing. Because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. So a soft answer turns away wrath. And don't worry about winning your debate. Display Jesus. Display Jesus. No one has ever won through their intellect, they're born again through their spirit. The spirit must come in contact with the spirit of Christ. And so we're born again. Now, again, intellect, reasoning, discussion, debate, it's all very good. Peter also tells us to have a reasonable answer, an apologetic answer for those who ask. And so we are to know how to defend the scriptures, but never do it despite spirit and character of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? So we're going to deal with atheists. They purport science over religion. You purport God is the God of science. It's not science versus God. It's God created and science proves it. That's where you stand. They're going to mock and insult you, but we're going to love them and bless them in Jesus' name and pray that their eyes may be opened. Thirdly, they believe in standing on neutral ground. 
This is what they purport, that all of you in religion are blind, but those who have science are neutral. When you hear their discussions, when you hear their argument, they are the ones who rightly interpret the Bible and rightly interpret God. They are on neutral ground where they're not influenced by their culture, by history, or by religion or belief. They have a clean slate to just know the facts and simply the facts and to know the truth and to point out your error. So those who follow religion are blind, and so when they have a debate, they invite you onto their neutral ground. Basically, they say this, if you believe in Krishna, Allah, Yahweh, Zeus, Thor, reincarnation as Hindus, you were born into that culture, you can't help it, you're clouded, and you are blind. It's a religious blindfold that you have on you, and you have to... Find your way out to neutral ground instead of your cultural heritage. And what brings you into neutral ground? Everybody say it. Science. Science will give you neutral ground. You're all indoctrinated. Of course, you have to begin to wonder why they're so vehement in teaching evolution and Darwinism in early elementary school and throughout high school and throughout college, and they will not allow intelligent design to be discussed. Talk about indoctrination and not being neutral. Science is supposedly neutral. So what they say is this, I'm an atheist, you're a theist, I have science, you have myths and indoctrination. If you want to engage in finding the truth, you need to put your Bible down, that dusty old thing written 2,000 years ago full of myths and fables and foolish stories about talking snakes, angels and imps, and stupid, ruthless acts of violence by your God. Put that down and let's just talk about the facts that are displayed through science and knowing through the experimentation in nature, what we know. Now, if you're to fall for this, you're to fall at two things. There is no neutrality. It's a myth. Remember these two things when you're discussing them. They are not neutral. They weren't born into science. Science was taught to them. Science is still trying to find its way and discover what is true and not true through all of its hypotheses and through its best understanding of the, uh, of the information, but yet it is corrupt by money and finance and uh, who gets the biggest grant and who sells the most books. They're not neutral. Neither should you be. Don't fall for it. For you to give away God's Word to come into science will only cause you to wonder and be mystified at the level of things they're going to throw at you based on physics and, and biology and all the, the little areas they've studied. God is not a stranger to science. The heavens declare the handiwork of God. What you need to do is be well equipped to walk into the discussion so that when they refute or make these claims about the Bible, you have an answer to what they call the Bible and its myths. 
And that's where we come into their fourth point, which is the straw man. Remember, Jesus said this about neutrality. Whoever is not with me is what? Against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. And the psalmist has said, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. So there is no neutral ground according to Jesus. You're either for Jesus or against Jesus. So if they say step into the neutral ground of science and their particular aspect of science, remember, science, atheists don't hold the patent on science. Science is used by Christians and Christianity throughout time. Again, it displays God's handiwork. So when they say, let us show you science, it's their form of science and their uh, conception of what science says. But the Word of God says, if they're not for Christ, they're against Christ. And so their conclusions would be anti-Christ, anti-Jesus. Now, You all have heard and we quote, the fool said in his heart there is no God. And so, don't go talking to an atheist and tell him he's a fool. The Bible says you're a fool. (laughs) I don't need to talk to you, you're just a fool. And they would happily retort back to you, you know what, you're a bigger fool for believing this, and now you're in the fight. What does the Bible mean that the fool has said in his heart? The Hebrew word for fool here doesn't mean someone who is ignorant or stupid. These people have PhDs. These folks are intelligent, extremely smart. The word nebal in Hebrew means carnal, sinful. So Paul, I believe, summarizes best in 1 Corinthians 2.14 what David said in the Psalms, the fool says in his heart, there's no God. And Paul puts it this way, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are folly or foolishness to him. He's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. We're not going to win a debate with atheists as long as an atheist is close to the Spirit of God. We'll walk away frustrated from each other, but you can deposit truths that later by the Spirit will begin to work on them. So don't think you have to win the debate. I don't know how many debates I've listened to over the years between extremely intelligent Christian debaters and PhD evolutionists, scientists, and atheists, and they never come away going, oh, you've convinced me. But later in their lives, there have been those who have been persuaded. Where does the persuasion ultimately come from? The Spirit of God. So when you're in these arguments, keep sharing the Word of God. Don't fall for the neutrality myth. Come in and share that Word of God and share the love of Jesus with them. Last of all, what is a straw man argument? The straw man argument is basically this. This was the picture I used for the front of this series. And you can see that a straw man is made out of straw, and so you can easily knock him down or light a match, and he will burn quickly. 
The concept of a straw man argument is basically this. It's used all the time in people's arguments. You probably use them yourself. Uh, Ignore the real argument. Create a pretend argument so that you can defeat that argument and claim victory over the real argument. Religion is stupid. Just look at Genesis 1 and a talking snake. We all know talking snakes don't exist. Therefore, religion is stupid. But that's a straw man. You have to go into the entire context of what took place and what that story is about so that you can explain it to them. That's a straw man argument. Let me give you another straw man argument and the concept of a straw man argument. And that's what we're going to look at over the next three weeks. The straw man arguments of the neutrality of atheists as they ridicule us with these arguments. I will go through them throughout the next couple of weeks. Here's Bill Murray. He says this, and I'm just going to use this as the one example today. Religion is the worst enemy of mankind. No single war in history has killed as many people as religion has. Not to mention it sets science back a thousand years. There's a straw man argument. Religion is stupid, right? It's an enemy. Religion is an enemy. There's the straw man. And so what's the evidence of the argument? There have been more people killed in history by religion than any other. And then he just throws in it sets science back by thousands of years. Now, how do you attack a straw man argument? You go to the facts. Right? What are the facts? First of all, you go back a thousand years to science and it was Christians and Muslims who were giving all the furthest and best evidence for scientific discovery. Modern science wouldn't exist without Christians and theists who were bringing science into the place that it is today. But let's take a look and do the fact checks on his information. Another straw man quite often is... Yeah, religion is horrible. Just look at the Crusades. The Crusades slaughtered millions. Just look at the Inquisitions that you Christians have in your history. Killing many. And then again, what about the witch hunts where so many witches were killed and destroyed? Now, that is true. Christianity, unfortunately, has some really bad eras in it and some bad seasons. But let's go further in our study. When you look at the numbers in the Crusades, the Crusades lasted about 196 years. It is purported that at the high end, there were 133,000 people killed through the Crusades, horribly tortured and horribly killed. Most of them by those as done in the name of Christ. But when you understand how it was done, when the papacy was writing indulgences for anybody that would sign up to go fight in the Crusades, they would get a free indulgence to go to heaven. So you had many people who were non-believers and non-Christians getting paid to go kill. Mercenaries who loved it. So though it was purported in the name of Christ, they were in fact doing the very opposite of what Christ would command. Also, you need to understand the context of the Crusades and what was taking place 
before the Crusades and the numbers of Christians being slaughtered by Islam at the time. Let's go on, but that doesn't justify it. What about the Inquisitions? There were three Inquisitions, Papal Inquisition, Spanish Inquisition. There were 31,912 people killed from 1480 to 1808. But when you look at it, that's a time of over 338 years. That's about 94 people a year killed during the, trans, during the Inquisitions. Now, that gives no excuse for this kind of killing, but it has become urban myth and legend according to the types of killings and slaughter that actually happened. If you go back and look, the church, when it was doing its inquisition, wasn't half as bad as the state that was doing the inquisitions. But still, bad, wrong. Christians have admitted this, Christians have repented from it, and Christians have said this is not what our Bible teaches. Last of all, witches. The Salem witch trials, which so many say were an atrocity. The total of number of people killed in New England, 18. Over in Europe, throughout all the witch trials, some 30,000. That's pretty bad. And so in the name of religion, specifically Christianity, we have some really bad areas in our history leading to about 200,000 people killed. But that's both Christians and non-Christians. Much of the Inquisition was Christian against Christian. But still, that's not a very good record for Christianity. And yes, that's a lot. But how does that work with atheism? The University of Hawaii political scientist Rudolf Rummel has totaled up the number of people killed in all of human history. It's estimated at 284,638,000 people have been killed throughout world history. Of that, 151,491,000 were killed during the last 100 years. Do you see that? Between 1917 and 1987, almost half that population of all who were ever killed in the world took place in the last 100 years. What could you say has dawned in the last 100 years that is supposedly the saving power for mankind? Science. Interesting, isn't it? But that doesn't prove anything. I don't want to create a straw man. Let's go further and look at the numbers. 141,160,000 people were killed through atheistic and communist regimes. In other words, 50% of all the killings of mankind's history in the past 100 years, 50% of that, 141,160,000, were killed by communist or atheistic regimes. Atheism kills. So the statement that said religion kills more is in fact wrong. Completely wrong. If you take Stalin and Hitler and Mao uh, and you add up the atrocity of these men, and, and some would argue, well, Hitler was a Christian because he was born Catholic and because in his propaganda he appealed to Lutherans. Hitler was not a Christian. Hitler despised the Bible and the New Testament 
and he was an avid fan of Darwinism and atheism. Stalin, a fan of Darwinism and human selection. We'll get into that even more. And so evolution and atheism. They may have not been killing in the name of atheism, but atheism was the underlying tenet of what they did and why they did it. They didn't have to answer to a God, only to themselves. And so statements like this, I'm not religious, I'm an atheist and a militant atheist, when religion starts impacting on legislation. Religion should not speak to human government. Religion should not be involved in our laws. That's what the new atheists want. Don't legislate your religious ideas on me. How did that work when you take God out of legislating countries? Again, we go back to Mao and Lenin and Stalin and Hitler. How did atheism fare in its ruling and dictating people's lives? It kills. Atheism kills. And so the straw man saying that religion kills more than anything else is in fact completely wrong. Don't fall for these arguments, but do your homework. In fact, it's atheism that has killed more people in human history than any other ideology. Do you understand that? So when we fight for legislation, we fight for religion in legislation because 97% of atheists, and this is according to their uh, studies, believe in abortion. 97% of atheists think abortion is fine. So you want religion to stay out of legislation. Well, legislation is the thing that has caused 60 billion uh, million infants to be aborted. That's pretty outrageous, wouldn't you say? Uh, One billion abortions. And they say, stay out of our legislation. I don't think so. Without God, this world's in trouble. Now, these are the main tactics. You need to understand them and be aware of them. Number one, science is supreme. They understand that as truth. It's their God. Secondly, they're going to be hostile to ridicule you and mock you. Most Christians are too nice to be able to handle that. You want everyone to like you. But get used to it. More than ever, get used to being mocked and ridiculed and stand your ground. Secondly, your ground is biblical ground. Don't fall for the lie that there's neutral ground. There is no neutral ground. And last of all, don't fall for the straw man arguments. Uh, Contend for the faith and speak against those arguments as best you can. May I say this in conclusion, we don't need a better argument for Christianity. We need people to live it. That's what we need. Your life is your argument. You may get wiped up by an atheist who has a better argument than you, but if you would bless them and show them the love of Jesus, it will penetrate past their mind and touch their heart. I conclude with this story about Christopher Hitchens. You saw how vehemently he opposed religion. He died of cancer in 2011. Christopher Hitchens' brother... Peter Hitchens was a devout, born-again Christian, is a believer. He reconciled with his brother. For years, they were opposed to each other and hostile. 
Both of them as journalists. And in his dying days, it's said, quite possibly, he befriended a number of Christians. There's a new book out by Larry Alex Taunton that says he had conversations with Christopher Hitchens when he asked questions about Christianity. And this man wrote the book. He doesn't say that Hitchens became a Christian. He doesn't know. But something happened in the man as he was approaching death to consider, to consider life after death. And we don't know what happened to Christopher Hitchens, but his brother becoming born again and him approaching evangelical Christians means that somebody had avenue to him. And it wasn't because of an argument, it was because he saw something in them that he needed to know about. So they have arguments, but you have Jesus. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah.